Welcome to the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast, where we believe that healthy cash flow is critical for your IT business. Automation is paramount, and building trust with your clients by looking professional will help grow your business. I'm your host, Ryan Goodman, and today you'll learn about some profound struggles related to owning and growing an IT business and how Peter Cardell from Clever Ducks overcame them. The only way that you're going to be able to grow your business is if you are able to develop a management and leadership team that can take over more and more important parts of the business. Here's the podcast with Peter. Peter, thanks for thanks for joining us today. Why don't we kick off by you uh, giving us your company name and tell us where you're located. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure for me to be joining you this morning. Um, I'm Peter Cardell, CEO of Clever Dust, and we are located in San Luis Obispo, California. And that's halfway between San Francisco and L.A., right on the coast. Well, that sounds beautiful. At this point, I'm not even going to tell you where I live because there's just no <laughs> comparison. <laughs> well, I, we do have to contend with earthquakes, uh, fires, and mudslides. So if that makes you feel any better, it's not all perfect here. Fair enough. I stand corrected. There's, <laughs> there is a meme that I see floating around on Facebook in the winter. Again, we're, we're based in Fargo, North Dakota, where it says, the air hurts my face. Why do I live in a place where the air hurts my face? <laughs> well, you know, I don't believe that there is bad weather. There's only bad equipment. Ah, very true. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit, you know, about your business model as well as really the passion behind starting it? Well, really how I got started was really um, something that veered me away from my dream. I wanted to be an attorney like my father and practice environmental law. But along the way, I became totally infatuated with technology and automation and how it could act as a lever, um, enabling um, a small, uh, small town attorney to compete with the, the big law firms in, in the Bay Area and in, in L.A. And that was my father. He used technology to go up against the Goliath in the industry. And uh, I was just fascinated by that leverage that you get from it. And so I started helping him with technology uh, in his, his law practice. And pretty soon, um, other attorneys uh, in his office building asked me to help them. And it just all was history after that. I was uh, referred into firms all over the town. And um, pretty soon, I was thinking, man, I, I want to get serious about this. I want to study technology and figure out how I can um, bring this leverage to uh, folks in other industries. Oh, that's awesome. That's that's a really cool why and the, the catalyst to be in mm. business. So prior to being in business, were you working for your dad full time or did you have another nine to five or were you in law school at that point? Uh, no, um, <clears throat> I was in high school at the time. Okay. Um, so I did work in construction. So I, I love working with my hands and building things. Uh, I still do. And maybe that's because that's why I was interested in engineering and environmental law. But, it, you know, it didn't become a full-time job really ever. 
Um, I was always either doing having other work or I was in school full time and using um, my IT consulting as a way to put myself through school. Mm-hmm. So I, I came out of school with very little student debt, which was great. That's awesome. I think there's a there's a lot to be learned through this for for today's youth. It's true. Um, and it also gave me context, you know, so while I'm studying, it was um, gave me fuel, really. I want to be better at what I'm doing and be able to add more and more value. So it made the study really a lot more appropriate. It wasn't abstract at all. So as a young entrepreneur, your dad was, of course, an entrepreneur as well and influence oh, yeah. in your life. The move towards technology from legal, how was that perceived by your family and, and by your dad? <laughs> well, I think there was two things I did to disappoint my father. Um, one was I just decided not to go into law. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I say that tongue in cheek because he was thrilled because he loved technology. I think that was almost his first love. And then uh, renaming the company from Cardell Computer Services to ultimately Clever Ducks, um, he just felt like, wow, you know, you you're you gave up the, the name. You know, you're not out there front man with the name. You you um, changed it to something that wasn't um, the family name. Sure. Um, and we did that because I didn't want, you know, when, when we did that, it was very conscious. I, did, I wanted to grow an organization, wanted to grow a team, and it wasn't about me. And I realized that my success was really going to be measured by the work that my, my team did. And that's why we, we did that renaming. So fun fact, though, though I didn't go to law school, and he said every business person, every entrepreneur should, should take the first year of law school because that's when you learn all the really important rules of business, and right. it's true. But I'll, I'll say that um, you can also marry somebody who becomes a lawyer. And my wife is being sworn in to the California bar today. Well, congratulations. <laughs> really excited about that. I think I about done you, Dad, because I didn't have to go through all the effort of law school. And, and um, I now have uh, my life partner um, has all those skills so she can help me in the business. That's awesome. I bet your master's service agreement is going to be bulletproof here short enough. <laughs> yeah, a really good agreement is one where um, everything is just spelled out in plain English. Our service agreement's two pages long, and it's incredibly transparent. That's great. Um, I had, uh, there's a pretty large, I think the largest law firm in the area, the the senior partner looked at it, read it over, and he said, you know what, let's do business. This is, you're incredibly transparent, and we can trust you. So the, the the KISS model is truly working for you when it comes to legalese. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Keep I it. mean, if you take good care of people, then, um, and you treat them the way you want to be treated, and you treat them with empathy, and you're fighting for their, their business's um, highest and best good, it's unlikely that you're going to get into a place where there's real conflict. Right. Um, and it's just important to make micro adjustments along the way. So when you start to have issues that come up um, in personal relationships, uh, maybe a difference between expectations and actual performance with a direct report or an employee, mm-hmm. or something is just not sitting right with a client relationship, it's really important to have those conversations early and often so you can make minor course corrections before things become more and more emotionally charged. That's great advice. So shifting gears a little bit here, why don't you tell me about some of the wins 
that you've celebrated in being the owner of a technology business? Something my father said, because he was um, a business and tax attorney, is that for most small businesses, the only value or retirement that they will have at the end of their career will be their building that they do business in. So he just encouraged his clients to buy the building that, you know, the place where you do your business out of, because as a way of storing up value that will be good for your financial future and retirement. And so um, we listened to my father and we bought this building in 2012, downtown San Luis Obispo, um, big enough to rent out nearly half of it to uh, some, some uh, commercial tenants. So that's great it's a place to expand into someday. So that was an amazing experience. Amy managed the whole construction process and the design and the moving and everything. And I focused on running the business. I mean, the, the quarter that we moved or moved to the new building, we had our highest quarter ever. Wow. Uh, no stress. Focused, <laughs> you know, and make the move happen. And the great thing about it is, you know, we had a space that was customized for us. You know, we had learned a lot from the previous couple of um, spaces that we'd been in and, um, we were able to build in a lot of the, the things that we wish we had had. And it really increased our efficiency and a great, great deal. So having a space that's yours is um, incredibly valuable. And I think that all the biggest wins really have to do, if, if, if look at the grand scheme of things as the owner of the company. So I'm, I'm putting my shareholder hat on right now, not as the tech who started the company, who's passionate about technology, but I'm now wearing the hat as, as the shareholder owns the business and sees the, this value of this business growing. And I think all the biggest wins were cases where I've been able to, uh, with the help of others like HTG and other peers in the, in the industry, is to develop leaders in my company to take over roles that I had so right. that things are happening. They're, they're doing better work in those roles than I ever did. And that's just incredibly rewarding. Um, when you hear feedback from a client that, oh, you know what, you guys did great, but this, this issue came up and you were able to work, out, work it out with a vendor. And I mean, you know, you exceeded our expectations and I'm not even aware of all of the steps that had been taken. I just know that my team took care of it. That's just incredibly rewarding because it's not about me. It's about this company that I've helped develop. Um, that has enduring value that could continue to deliver value when I'm on vacation. If someday I transition out of the company, it just continues to create value. And I just love the thought of that. I love the focus. You know, again, it, it ties back to something that you talked about earlier, um, leverage through automation. You know, you're really also speaking to leverage through staff and, and, and empowering other people. And I think a lot of small business owners really struggle with that, right? Because especially if they're the owner founder, mm. getting past being in control of everything and, uh, and, and empowering your staff to rise and, and, and take control. Sure. I mean, it, it's very challenging to um, give up those roles for a few reasons. I'm a very intuitive person. So a lot of the things I do, I do intuitively. Um, and the challenge for me is to sort of reverse engineer what I'm thinking and how I 
you know, what, what my process is in a way that I can teach others and systematize it so that it can be replicated throughout the organization. And so for, for people with my personality, that's the challenge to us is to put it down on paper, document it and train others and, and do it in a way that's super simple. So it's easy to, to cross train those processes because then I can focus on other things. I can develop, uh, invent other uh, new ways to deliver value for our customers. And I know we're really, really talking in a theme here. Um, and, and again, you'd mentioned this earlier, automation through technology and, and we're talking through staff and, you know, leverage, leverage through staff, empowering staff and documentation. So I know we're both on the same page. I mean, automation is critical to the success of a business. You saw this and learned it early on. What was the point inside of your IT business where the light bulb really went off on the different parts of that business you could automate? And what are some of the things that you do automate in your business today that would have eliminated maybe some of the struggles that you had in the past? I that was a that big question. Been, yeah, that's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> when you're starting to delegate processes that you've been doing and you realize that you know, you're starting to write down the steps they're taking and articulate all the exceptions that can occur. Well, if it's this way, unless this happens, then you got to do this. And the documentation can get really, really long. And the process of training somebody can become more and more onerous. And um, what you'll find is that if you take the time to look at how technology can address this workflow and what you're trying to accomplish, it has the potential of really simplifying and streamlining lots of processes. And it makes the task of delegating and cross-training these important um, processes in your business a lot easier. Um, there's a concept called non-value add, you know, looking at things that you do in your business that add value and things that don't add value. And uh, this is sort of advanced common sense, but anything that doesn't add value you want to stop doing or reduce as much as you can or, or, or automate as much as you can. So you can spend most of your um, time and energy doing things that add value. Right. And when I say add value, I mean add value to your customer because that's what you're getting paid for. Your gross margin is directly proportional to the amount of value that you can add to your customers, right? So an example of a non-value added process in your business is billing. You know, billing your customer doesn't add any value to your customer. They could care less, really, if you bill them or not. Maybe they'd prefer if you didn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it doesn't add any value to them. It's incredibly important to you. You need to do it in order to get paid and pay your people and, and continue to grow and innovate. But it's a process that you want to streamline as much as possible so that you can build a customer efficiently. There's um, zero defects really in the billing process because anytime money is changing hands, it's, it's kind of a sensitive issue. Absolutely. So eliminate defects, totally reduce the amount of time and energy that it's taken to streamline it as much as possible. If we can get it as close to zero as possible, that's huge. And so that's something that we've done in, there's a lot of parts to that. You know, one of them is just how you structure your business relationship with your customer. If you can simplify it as much as possible and not have all these different ways of calculating how you're going to build them, right. but really 
realize, you know what, 99% of the time, these very simple rules will govern, you know, and the 1%, don't even worry about it. So you can make the billing arrangement super simple. We've fixed feed everything. Almost never will we do a project and sure. charge them time and materials. Um, we like to fix the cost and customers like it too. So they're never surprised. They get a bill from us. They know what it's going to be for the monthly service. We include everything in that monthly service that they need to run their business. And then anything that's a project, you know, that we're adding something that's new or we're upgrading something or replacing something, then it's a project and they get a fixed fee bid essentially for that. And then we do it for that fixed amount. And that eliminates just a lot of headaches from a billing standpoint. We'd like to take a quick break to highlight our sponsors and some of the things they'd like to offer our listeners. Do you want to generate more leads and learn how you can grow your business using a proven strategy? Ever wondered how you can leverage digital marketing to accomplish this while taking your advertising to the next level? Then consider having a conversation with Josh Whitford of 5stepmarketing.com. Josh is an expert at helping small businesses grow using innovative tactics that have worked for large brands such as giftcards.com, mycoupons.com, navyseals.com, and many more. Right now, Josh is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you to learn about your market and collaboratively develop an online marketing strategy based on your target audience. The strategy session is free and you have the flexibility to either implement the strategy yourself or have Josh implement it for you. This is a turnkey solution. This is only for our podcast listeners, so check out Josh and his offering at 5stepmarketing.com slash audit. That's the number 5stepmarketing.com slash audit. Our second sponsor for today's show is Bevoip. Bevoip is the perfect channel-only offering for your IT firm and MSP business. Bevoip works with businesses around the globe to incorporate cloud communications into your big-picture telecom strategy. Their program is built for MSPs, IT firms, and cloud service providers, and Bevoip happens to be the VoIP provider for your friends here at ConnectBooster and ConnectBooster's parent company, BNG. So check them out on the web at bevoip.com. And now, back to the show. It sounds like you guys have really refined, you know, not only in billing, but throughout your business in multiple areas, the make it easy to do business with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that theme, make it easy to do business. Let's not complicate. Let's not overcomplicate. You know, let's take it down to its lowest common denominator and just make it very simple. Yeah, I mean, you're eliminating a barrier to entry to, exactly. to, to do business with you and continue to do business. I mean, you know those vendors that it's just a hassle, the way their bills come in and the way you pay them, and right. they make changes, and it's really obtuse. They get things wrong. It's just it's so irritating, and so we've really strived to eliminate any, any way that it's a hassle to work with us. You know, and then another factor on the billing side is, well, we had this experience that was just, I wouldn't say life-threatening, but it, it, it was pretty dramatic where suddenly our accounts receivable started to just climb really quickly. And we were, clients were not paying us on time. Clients that paid really consistently 
were falling behind and it was very alarming. So it just happened over the, a period of three months or so. Um, and what had happened was uh, we just weren't getting mail. We had a number of oh, mail no. carriers that had changed. Yeah. I, mean, I don't want to throw the U.S. Postal Service under the bus, especially since our current mail carrier is awesome. Sure. So I just want to say that right now. <laughs> um, shout out. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, the checks just never showed up. They weren't being stolen. The mail just wasn't being delivered. And that included bills, too, you know, accounts payable. And so we realized that, this is a part, this is a risk to our business that we're depending on this service. You know, they're talking about eliminating Saturday delivery. We need to figure out a way to dematerialize the cash flow into our business. You know, and then another factor is the check comes in, a staff person has to open the mail, take the check, apply it to the correct invoice, you know, relieve the accounts receivable balance, right. then go prepare a deposit, take the money to the bank or scan it and send it to the bank. There's all these steps right? What if we were able to just eliminate all those steps? And by the way, we're eliminating a whole bunch of steps on the customer side of handling the accounts, their accounts payable. If we were to to dematerialize that um, and handle it all electronically through ACH. So um, that's something we did about a year and a half ago using Connect Booster. We'd heard about them, and I noticed the HTG started billing us through Connect Booster, and, and I had a very satisfying experience as a customer with that process. So we implement, implemented that, and uh, it's been fabulous to just you know send out the agreement bills, and then you know a couple of days later, all the cash is just in your bank. It's just amazing. It's no, like printing money. <laughs> that's great. Hey, and I mean automation in cash oftentimes is the thing that will feed the ability to focus on automation in other side areas of your business, right? Where we're all oh, yeah. kind of, uh, you kind of choke yourself out on a lot of other initiatives if cash flow is not attended to first. I, I get it. I get it. Been there, oh, yeah. been sure. there and done that too. So, <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I just wanted to add a challenge that all of us small business owners have is that our customers are all being sort of programmed to expect service like Amazon. If you think about the customer experience with Amazon, you know, it doesn't matter what time of day or night or on a holiday or, or what. If you want to order something, find something, look at a past order, you know, look at an invoice, you know, transact business with them. It's very, very easy to do. Um, and so that's, kind of the standard that we've set for ourselves like hey how can we make this more like put the information in the customers at the customer's fingertips they can log in and they can see and get the information without having to call us we want to make um, their experience with us more like the e-commerce side of amazon along with uh, of course that very personal high touch you know relationship that we have i have lots of conversations with with lots of business owners um you know being in the in the payment space and not only it service providers but you know about any any business type you could imagine a lot of the things that i'll chuckle at is making it oftentimes hard for customers to pay you but then i'll ask you know how do you pay your babysitter when they come a lot of times it's venmo or zelle (laughs) you know it's some simple way that they're you know they're they're not even giving cash to the babysitter anymore but they're a technology company not using technology to make it easy you know for for their clients to do business with them a little ironic but you know i love that's a great example of how uh the consumer space 
you know, this mm-hmm. almost shadow IT yeah. <laughs> is, is happening um, there with paying your own babysitter. That's great. <laughs> Why don't you talk to me a little bit about um, some of the struggles that you've gone through and, and how you've overcome them in uh, owning your managed service business? Do we have to talk about struggles? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. <laughs> I think the biggest struggle is really developing managers and leaders. The only way that you're going to be able to grow your business is if you are able to develop a management and leadership team that can take over more and more important parts of the business. And I wasn't taught that in school. Um, It's not something that attorneys learn. Doctors aren't taught it. We're taught our craft. Right. Um, But all the squishy human soft skill development stuff, how to organize your business from a leadership standpoint. Um, many of us didn't have any formal training in there and it's, it's very difficult and you can't be efficient with people and with relationships. There's a lot of skill involved and I, that's, I would say that been the biggest challenge. So I think we've determined that first year of legal school and <laughs> psychology are two solid precursors if you want to be an entrepreneur. I, don't, I think so. There's some really strong um, leadership development programs out there. Right. Um, we stumbled on this this uh, program called Giant Worldwide. One of my peers had gone through this program, uh, Matt Hyatt. Uh, he's got an MSP that's just growing like gangbusters in Atlanta, Georgia. And I watched his leadership and his, his uh, communication style and his leadership just transformed um, over the year that he was in the program Uh, and then I heard it through interactions with his leadership team just permeate his company which is very unusual a lot of times you know the leadership team will go to it some kind of leadership training and they'll get some valuable training and insights and uh, maybe some skills but it isn't easily disseminated down to the company what you really want is a common language and a set of skills and tools that can be taught and just have a self-sustaining way of permeating throughout the entire company. And that's what Giant Worldwide has been able to do. Their theory is, or their, their uh, criteria is that the tools that we're bringing to you need to be something that you can easily teach a 13-year-old who can then go and teach her friends in, in 10 minutes. That is cool. Um, it's really, really, it's not that it's very simple, um, are not sophisticated, but it's very, very elegant. And the tools are put in a way that makes holding powerful conversations with the people you work with and with clients and, and family members and kids and spouses very, very easy. Well, that was a really cool bit of information. Appreciate you sharing. I'm over here taking notes, just burning <laughs> up my pad and pen here. That's, that's, that's incredible. Cool. Thank you for that. Shifting gears a little bit. If you could talk to your younger self after seeing what you've accomplished today, you know, what would you say and what wisdom would you try to impart on your younger self? Oh my gosh. Well, I would tell my younger self that uh, contained in your personality are, um, is this, are the seeds of success, but also self-sabotage. And let me explain that a little bit. I, uh, if you look at my Myers-Briggs, I'm INTP, so I um, am very intuitive, and I think in like very big picture things, I, I like to 
architect the future. I'm always thinking about the future and how things how things could be better and how we could cheat. And, you know, not just make incremental changes, but make some kind of curve jump. I just mm-hmm. love that kind of thinking. But also in my wiring is to be very detail oriented, which is a little unusual. And so I often sabotage myself by diving deeply into the details and staying in the weeds for way too long because it, you know what? It's safe to be in the weeds. <laughs> you know, you can see the progress, you can check boxes. And I think that's a, I think that's a lure that a lot of technical people have when it comes to leading and growing their business is that the safety of what they're familiar with and um, their technical skills can be something that derails them from doing the hard work of delegating more and focusing on the stuff where they can have the biggest impact on the business, which really you should be as the CEO leader of your company, you should be thinking about how are you going to grow this company? You know, how am I going to grow my team so that they can do their very best work? You know, what's holding back my management team from their greatest influence? And the time you're spending doing that is huge outside the return on fussing with little details in the business or, or working um, in the business, you know, doing direct, you know, like delivery of service versus working on the business and thinking about how can we, how can our work be better? And, you know, I, I find myself continually drawn in that direction because I love those details, but I, I think that sooner you can get out of working in the business and work on it, the better. Agreed. <laughs> Boy, we've had, uh, We've had quite the interview. I mean, chock full of just awesome information. And I have one more question for you. And it is, you know, along the thread of the last question. So what would be the number one pointer message that you would drive home to any of your peers as they're listening to this podcast today? All right. I think the the number one thing is it's not about you. And you just cannot do it on your own. Mm -hmm. You want to surround yourself with great people um, and invest in them so that your work or your the value of your um, efforts will be measured through their work. And also, surround yourself with peers. Um, join a peer group. Reach out to um, other business owners and leaders that are struggling with many of the same things you are and get help from them, get insight from them. Absolutely. Because uh, you can't do it yourself. And why would you want to? It's very rewarding to work with, you know, to to get and to give in these uh, peer relationships it's just incredibly rewarding and it just will really accelerates your business and you can skip a lot of problems you know the best problem is the problem that you can skip absolutely uh, yeah amen <laughs> <laughs> well peter I want to thank you for your time today and before we jump off the call where can people find you online you know what's your website can they find you on facebook Twitter or any other social media platforms? Yeah. Um, so our website is www.cleverducks.com. I think if you were to look at our website, you would see that um, there's really two audiences that we're, we're trying to reach uh, on our website and in Facebook. Um, and that is potential or future employees um, as well as new customers. Uh, so our, our online presence really, I would say, is more biased towards finding future Clever Ducks. Sure. Is that, yeah. 
that's an incredibly important. That's like the fuel for growing our business is the, the people that we can attract and retain. Um, I can be re- reached by email, peter.cardell, that's K-A-R-D-E-L at cleverducks.com, um, facebook.com slash cleverducks. Before we end today's episode, we'd like to thank our sponsors, 5-Step Marketing and BVoip. Don't forget to take advantage of your free one-hour marketing strategy session with Josh and his team. That link again is 5stepmarketing.com slash audit. That's the number 5, 5stepmarketing.com slash audit. And check out BVoip if you're looking to improve your telecom strategy. You can find BVoip online at bvoip.com. Well, thanks again for joining us. It was uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, and we we really appreciate your time, Peter. Oh, I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for inviting me to spend this time with you. You bet. Thanks again for joining us today on the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast, where we believe that healthy cash flow is critical for your IT business, automation is paramount, and building trust with your clients by looking professional will help grow your business. A special thanks again to Peter Cardell from Clever Ducks. Clever Ducks can be found online at cleverducks.com. And to download the full podcast or listen to some of our previous episodes online, check us out at connectbooster.com slash podcast. Thanks for joining us today on the Confessions of an IT Business Owner podcast. We'll talk to you soon.